Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Celtic State of Mind. It is 12.32. Apologies, 120 seconds. We were made to wait before we got stuck in to our daily, hourly chat about all things Celtic. And I was just saying there, I see Lloyd is pulling out the big bangers, isn't he? Every single Friday, you're wondering what's he going to be wearing. And he is wearing a retro Celtic away strip. That, um, that is a classic. That's a belter. All these jerseys, you look at them and think they remind you either of a game or a player. I'll let you have a wee think about that before we, we ask Asim and Lloyd who they remember or what they remember with that jersey. Let us know in the comments section. We are going to be talking about Matt O'Reilly. Uh, there has been interest from various clubs, unsurprisingly. And as we say on the tagline, why keeping Matt O'Reilly is non-negotiable this January. We're going to be looking at the new recruit because Asim and Lloyd have not had a chance to speak about Nicolas Kuhn on Axom. Um, the need for a left-back, a keeper, a striker, the upcoming game against Bucky Thistle, what happens with Leela Bada, and also a few rumblings around the Cameron Carter-Vickers situation. Loads to talk about. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. We're going to kick off with Matt O'Reilly, but let us know, what does that jersey remind you of? Lloyd Patrick Jepson, who or what does that jersey remind you of? I can always remember seeing a picture of Peter Grant with the kind of really blonde hair, just pointing away in the middle of the pitch. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> pointing away. The thing is, Lloyd, I think he shared a, a bottle of peroxide with Chris Morris, Derek White and Frank McAvenny. They were all having a wee shot at it back in the day, I see. It seemed to be de rigueur back then, um, and a lot of people like myself never changed their hair for decades at a time. Uh, thankfully, all but Maka have changed the, the lot, but it is that era, Asim, isn't it's, it? It's yeah. the era where you look back, and you you remember like sunny games, but 
you never remember the, the damp and, and dreek ones. I'm going to throw a player into the mix, Jerry Craney. Yeah, I've seen that in the chat there. Um, it is a wee bit before my time, but Lloyd's sporting it very well, looking very good there. Um, but yeah, it's, it, you always see old see images and <laughs> um, no, it's a classic. It looks really good. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the name I thought of as well, Jerry Craney. I've seen that in the chat there. Um, but yeah, just a bit before my time, but it's, it's a belter. It's great when you remember it like it was yesterday. I remember receiving it. I remember receiving that. And it wasn't back then. Sometimes you got Umbro kits in a box and they arrived in this beautiful wee box and all that. That was in an Umbro bag and I remember getting it. Um, but yeah, that type of player, Jerry Craney, Stevie Fulton, that was the type of player that I remember wearing that jersey. And it's one of the ones that the club really need to just have a proper retro range, Lloyd, because it saves fans buying them from all the dodgy sites. Just the club should do it. They should have like 20 or 30 of the old jerseys. I know they've got a few, but they don't have all of them, you know? No, exactly. It, you think they bring out cats each season. Go back to the retro. We, we've seen it recently as well. With some of the cats have been made recently, e.g. last season's away shot. It's probably one of the best-selling shots we've had. It was based on one of the previous away shots. Yes. Keep, doing, keep rolling things like that out. Well, you've seen Jota so with the Bumblebee. Bumblebee oh. top on last season, didn't he? So, I wonder right. if Kuhn will, be, Kuhn will be supporting one of these uh, that Lloyd's got on this season. I, know. I, I still can't wear my Bumblebee because of him. You'll, just uh, never, you'll, never, look, you'll never look as good. You just generally will never true. look as good. It's true. The thing with that, Lloyd, with the old retro kits, when, listen, we'll get to the points. I've given everybody a wee breakdown of what we're going to talk about. A wee di- digression, a wee diversion to the football jerseys. Um, when I was doing the, the book, what I wanted to do is like, have some of the current players in the old kits and, and have mm-hmm. a wee chat with them and all that. But there's an issue, obviously, because the old manufacturers, you know, when we've got Adidas now, they wouldn't be happy with that. But it would have been cool to see Rio Atati wearing that Celtic away jersey. Talking to Rio Atati, Japan at the moment, I'm just checking yeah. the live score. Uh, last I checked, they were 2-0 down um, against Iraq in the Asian Cup. And neither of the Celtic players... I've seen um, have got yeah. a start yet in the first two games, have they? Nope. I, I watched the first half there. It was actually a really, really good game of football. Um, very surprised. Well, not surprised because a lot of my friends are, are from Iraq, actually, and they're um, born and brought up here, but of Iraqi background, so they were really looking forward to it and have been saying they're Iraq on a good, right good side. Um, and they were. Japan play some good stuff, but um, Iraq, their kind of intensity and tempo off the ball, I was really impressed with. Uh, no Hitati or Maida um, that have not, they've not featured at all in both games so far so I wonder with them being 2-0 down whether Moriasu will make some changes because you know Iraq have dealt with them pretty well so far so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out in the second half um, but yeah Japan have got some good players I know um, Liam of the channel kind of mentioned that you know they've got they're not short of options and he, he's, he's obviously not overly surprised that Kyogo hasn't featured at times because Moriasu doesn't seem to rate him um, but Boy, they could probably be doing, doing with them today by by the looks of it. You know, the, the boy up front, Asano, um, hasn't had a great game. But um, yeah, we'll see how that pans out. Um, maybe we'll see a couple of Celtic boys get on in the second half. Yeah, I was looking at the lineups. There's two things from this game, you know, other than the fact that the two Celts are not playing. I've seen the first one. I'm thinking back to when, you know, Ange Postacoglu was tapping it, or Celtic were tapping into markets and the regions that uh, we hadn't explored before when Ange was in charge, of course, uh, the big one being Japan. We hadn't really tapped into that since the days of Kukai Mizuno and um, Nakamura. 
And, um, I, you know, he made a comment. Remember he said that they were looking at, for players. Did he say they were looking for players in Iraq? Did he say Iraq? And it was almost as if it was either a throwaway comment or he actually meant that he was looking for players in that region. And I remember being surprised, but obviously there's a bit of quality there because uh, Japan are highly, highly rated. They, they regularly uh, qualify for World Cup finals and um, they're obviously getting put to the sword today. They've got a boy up front, um, Iraq, his name's Eamon, um, and he's he's been really impressive. I've watched both their games. And again, it's one that a few of my friends have said that, you know, watch out for him. And there's a few other ones as well. So again, there is, you know, I've watched a few of the Asian Cup games and there's quite a lot of talent out there, you know, for, for, for scouts to look at these kind of players that are still maybe playing in the Middle East or um, they've not been tapped up yet. Then, But yeah, the boy Eamon, I think he plays, I'm not sure which which club he plays for, but he's looked really good. And I'm, I'm looking at the kind of, he's a big target man type of player. Um, I'm not suggesting someone, but I'm just saying, like, I'm looking at him and I'm, not think, I'm thinking he's not any... Worse than all, for example, who I, I, you know, I think I've still got hopes for. But yeah, there's a lot of players out there that we could be looking at in, in these kind of untapped markets. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll talk about transfers and all that in the in the coming hour. I'm pretty sure the they will be covered now. Lloyd has dropped out. Uh, such was the love for his away jersey. <laughs> He's dropped out. If he comes back in, obviously we welcome him. Uh, back in, and uh, there's a few other things. The other thing I noticed actually in that lineup is uh, you remember Itakura. Um, he's playing centre yeah. half. There's a lot of talk about Celtic being interested in him. Uh, we ended up with Kobayashi. Uh, we might, might come back to that <laughs> later on. Uh, let us know in your thoughts uh, in the comments section, rather, uh, what you feel about uh, everything that we're going to be covering today. The first subject is going to be Matt O'Reilly. It's a big story in and around Celtic, and it does uh, tap into the, the transfer chat as well. And who does that Celtic away jersey remind you of? Now, the urban coaches in. Quickly today, the board's first priority, he says, is to preserve the gravy train. Surely even they wouldn't be so stupid. So last night, I mean, we knew about the interest um, as seen prior uh, yeah. to this window and the supposed bid from Leeds United in the summer didn't meet Celtic's asking price. Um, and, you know, I remember at the time talking about a £10 million deal, regardless of how that was structured. Um, it was, you know, referred to as a £10 million transfer. Um, Celtic, I don't, I, I don't even want to say they stood, stood strong because that doesn't even get you into the discussion yeah. when it comes to Matt O'Reilly. Um, and of course, the interest that has come in um, has come in from La Liga. Uh, the one club that's been named is Girona. There's another club interested. Um, I read this morning, Leeds United, Leicester City. Um, and instantly, people are saying, Girona, Girona will never pay that money for them. Fair enough, they might not pay that money. But if they're interested in their obviously top of the league at the moment, um, it starts to get that kind of interest. There's another Spanish club in, involved in that and a couple of English clubs. And the big thing for me is, no matter what the price is, you've got to keep that player, Asim, because it's not just the value of Matt O'Reilly we're talking about here. It's winning the league. It's qualifying yeah. for the Champions League next season. It's the momentum swing of the, the finance going somewhere else if we don't win that league. It's massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those that um, for me it's non-negotiable. We have to keep him. He's he's far too important. He's he's our best player this season. You know, we all know that he was going to attract attention. I think that was a you know it was not without it was without doubt that he big clubs were going to be looking at him. Um, and obviously it will be a tempting one for him as well. Um, but 
I think in summer, fair enough, we'll have to be open to offers and things like that. But I just think at this stage of the season, it's something that we just have to shut down any interest whatsoever. Obviously, it's, there's only so much that's within our control. If the player wants away, for example, but I, you know, I've not heard anything like that. Um, the, the kind of the way that Matt Riley comes across, I don't think he's a player that will kind of down tools or you know cause a big fuss. But naturally, it's going to be a tempting offer for him. Girona, they're obviously having a great season. They're top of the league, but they're not a big name. Um, you know, it could just be one of those seasons where they're doing really well. The previous transfer fee record is seven million. I'd imagine they'll have to at least three, four times that if if they want to take O'Reilly off him. I think he would. He's going to smash our transfer record for for departures. Um, but he's just far too important a player and far too important a season for us. Like as you mentioned, we have to win this league. We have to be in that Champions League next season. So. For me, by hook or by crook, we, we have to make sure that Matt O'Reilly's part of this second half of the season. Um, I've seen that the article was released by Stephen McGowan again this morning and um, you know that's always a worry because usually when, when he's putting up articles, it's you know he's one of the kind of more reputable sources. Um, but yeah, it's one of those we're going to have to wait. There's about another 10, 11 days. But this week we've heard of, of interest in CCB and now Matt O'Reilly. Um, not ideal, but uh, you'd like to think that the powers that be and the manager will will be doing everything they can to make sure that none of our important players are going away. Instead, we're looking to strengthen the squad rather than weaken it. Yeah, th- this is a big thing, and I remember, um, you know, rewind to under Ange Postecoglou. Whenever in a press conference he was asked about interest in his players, you know, he had a, he had a certain angle to talk about it, and he yeah. said, you know, you know, take it as a compliment. We're getting interest in our players because they're good players and we're a good team. Um, it's, and, and, you know, you look at that and you think, well, that that's true. But it's all about the timing here. I see, I don't think anyone tuning in at the moment, and there's 700 people at the moment on this Friday afternoon tuning in for a bit of Celtic chat, and I'll get you involved ASAP. I don't think anyone, uh, you know, is sitting there realistically thinking that Matt O'Reilly is going to be here for the next five years or the next three years. And and I think we'll all, we all accept that. However... It's all about timing and yeah. anything at all that knocks us off our stride. And, and I'm talking like O'Reilly for me is in the top four players in terms of his importance in the Celtic squad. And I always look at him, Carter Vickers, the captain, Callum McGregor and Kyogo. And I think it's unthinkable that any of the four guys, and you've already mentioned Carter Vickers also in the discussion, any of those four guys leave, you're not replacing them. You cannot replace them. Yeah, you can buy in somebody in the same position, you're not replacing the player to give you the same impact on the team, the same influence on their teammates, the same contribution to to this league challenge that we are we are in a title fight. Um, and and O'Reilly at the moment, based on form, is probably the top of the, those four. I think we cannot sell these guys. Yeah, it's, it's indicative of where we're at. Unfortunately, this you know as as a club right now that the kind of lifespan of players that we're getting is maybe two three years now uh, max. Um, which is which is the way it's been for for a number of years now. That you know, as soon as a player has that kind of second season, then then they start to kind of look elsewhere, or, or clubs start getting interested. So I think the, the exception to that's been Kyogo, but I think that's due to the age that we got Kyogo at as well. You know, I think because we bought him when he was what twenty seven, we managed to keep him now for his third season, and I don't think he's in a rush to go. And that's the kind of age bracket that I'd like to see us looking at more as well going forward in terms of just a, a side point in terms of the kind of profile of players that we bring in but 
With regards to Matt O'Reilly as well, from by all accounts, everyone that's kind of knows about him or knows his personality, he's quite an intelligent guy. He's switched on, so he won't be in any rush to make any drastic moves. I don't think. I think he'll he'll choose his next move very very, very wisely. Um, he's very switched on in that regard, and I don't think he'll be in a particular rush to go mid season over to Spain at this point. Um, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm saying that I'm hoping it's maybe more in hope, but I just think that he knows as well that he'll have his pick of the bunch in the summer potentially. If if he so chooses to to leave at that point, but at this stage, um, yeah, we've got a title to win. I think he's enjoying being part of this squad. He's enjoying working under Rogers. He's having his best season so far. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that I think he'll still be here come the end of January. Um, and then what comes in summer, we'll we'll deal with that then. But yeah, as you've mentioned, there's a core group of players there that are a must for us to keep. Um, you know, we'll, we'll speak about obviously incomings, but I still feel we need a two or three more to to make sure and solidify our title charge. But the the idea of losing your best player um, for me is is a is a non-starter. Absolutely. Now, Joseph McGonagall, welcome back, Lloyd. Joseph reminds is reminded rather of Darius Jackie Jackanowski when he sees that shirt, and absolutely, yeah, I can see him. Jackanowski, uh, the epitome of a cult hero of Celtic in the 1980s. Uh, done a wee bit of research on him recently, and um, I was astounded, really, to to learn the fact that, again, you know, before coming to Celtic, he was such a prodigious talent. Um, lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Into Milan, we're chasing him when he was in, in Poland. Uh, there was a poll. Prior to the 1986 World Cup finals, obviously he played for Poland against England in the finals. Um, there was a poll, and it was the the best players in the world, but it wasn't like the Ballon d'Or kind of thing. I think it was one of the reputable magazines ran a poll, and it was Maradona, Michelle Platini, and Darius Jakanowski. <laughs> 1986. Fast forward three years, uh, and he's putting in three or four decent performances a season for Celtic. But yeah, I do remember him. He was a really, really talented player. And uh, Pete McGee, thank you. I am eventually uh, pronouncing Kuhn correctly. About time, Paul. Thank you, Pete McGee. Um, yeah, we've got to make sure that we've got the pronunciations of our players right. There is no doubt um, about that. Frank Green picks up on your point there, Asim. Uh, Girona won't be able to afford O'Reilly. When you were away, Lloyd, I was just saying there that for me, Matt O'Reilly is our best player based on form and he's in a, a small group of players that it would be unthinkable to lose. So regardless of the fee, I, I don't care about the fee because it's not just the fee about the player, Lloyd. It's also what happens after the season um, by winning the league and, and moving into the Champions League. We've got to be thinking ahead. And I mean, that's not a massive like long-term plan. That's only a few months down the line. We cannot at all detract from any kind of momentum that we, we've been building up 
before the winter break by selling one of our best players. No, exactly. You can't not at this stage of the, the season either as well. I know obviously the, at the minute it's only interest from Girona. I don't see Matt O'Reilly being the type of guy that would leave right now for that career move. It's like Asim said, he's a smart, intelligent guy. He left Fulham at the correct age to go down to MK Dons, which is obviously then gets moved to Celtic. Matt O'Reilly knows himself. Give it another year or two, he could get a massive move to either Spain or England. And I think he will be one of the ones that does go for a record transfer fee in time because you're talking the type of player Matt O'Reilly is. He's a creator in the middle of the park. And also, you've seen this season, he scores goals. He's added that to his game as well. And then defending in the Champions League. So if he has his, another good season, Champions League level next season, I think we really could be on our way to losing him next year, but not anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, listen, we don't want to talk about selling our best players, but it's been all over the news sources. And as Asim said, uh, some very credible ones as well. I remember back in the summer, uh, Fabrizio Romano talking about um, the fact that if he was to leave, it would be a Scottish record transfer. We know that that is currently £25 million, uh for the sale of Jota and Kieran Tierney. Um, and James Devine thinks even more, he reckons £30 million. But certainly not just now, James. We need to keep a hold of our best players and improve on the squad. Now, we've got Magnet67 coming in afternoon acts on community. And it is a community building uh, gradually every single day. Matty's going nowhere in this window. 100% no chance. Summer 2024, possibility of huge offer, which the Greedy Board will accept, then award themselves huge bonuses. The thing, again, Asim, is we understand, and it's maybe taken us a while, but we accept where we are, really, when it comes to the development of players, uh, the buying model, the strategy of recruitment. We absolutely get it. And um, Jota, for me, was sold too soon, but when a £25 million carrot is dangled in front of the board, I get exactly what Magnet67 yeah. is saying. Um, it's like the old uh, the dollar signs start popping out their heads, cartoon style. And I get it, but we need to be strong in this one because it's bigger than just the value of the player, isn't it? Yeah, and like you said earlier, for me, it's the timing thing. There, there comes a point where there's only so much you can do as a club. Obviously, if players, they obviously, a lot of these players that are of that level or, or the talent of Matt O'Reilly, the, their, their ceiling is going to be high so there is a, a certain amount of time they're going to spend maybe playing in Scotland before they, they naturally want to test themselves at a higher level and I've got no issues with that um, but it is about timing and, and midway through such an important season for us um, you're right I think whether it's the player or the club I think together jointly I don't, I don't think he'll be going um, right now I think in the summer it might be a different situation but again at that point you'd like to think say we do win the league say we've qualified for this new Champions League format that's the time then to maybe use a bit of ambition and, and say to Matt really look, we're looking to build a squad around you give us another season show him the ambition by bringing in other quality players around them and then you can try and build your squad around these kind of players um, you know, naturally, when when they see what's happening around the club and they're not seeing much movement coming in, um, our best players going out, then then you can see the the temptation for certain players to be like, right, okay, I've done as much as I can at this club, and it's time to move on. Um, but as I say, in summer it's a different situation altogether. But for me, for now, we we have to keep him, um, and I think we will. Uh, I, I'm pretty confident that he'll he'll be here till the end of the season at least, uh, and then we can take it further from there. But in general, that is yeah, that is the model of the club right now. The the frustrating thing for me is look, you get twenty five million in for Jota last summer. 
what what clubs should be doing when you get a big fee in for one of your players is use that to really invest in the squad and, and spread that money. You know, that could have been spent on four or five players, maybe four or five million pounds each, and you you make your overall squad better. And that's what your teams like Salzburgs and uh, Red Bull and all these other teams that, you know, they, they sell big players, but then they use that to reinvest in the squad and make it a really strong squad and then they go again. What we've done in the summer has been the absolute opposite. We've just stuck to their kind of development shouts for, for your one and two million pound brackets. And, you know, for, for us as fans, it doesn't matter the fee, even if Matt O'Reilly breaks that record and 30 million, what difference does that make to us as fans unless we're seeing that reinvested into the squad? Um, so that's why when people talk about, oh, he can go for this much, I'm no longer get excited by fees because unless the club can then actually use that and spend big and, you know, break our own transfer record, then it's almost pointless. So yeah, let's see what we do. But, um, you know, we've got 10 days left. I know a lot of fans are getting impatient as well that we've only got one signing in. I was kind of calm about it early on. We're now on the eve of the, the football starting again. Um, and you'd like to see we're going to make a, a couple more, but you know, you just don't know. No, you're right. You're absolutely right when it comes to that. And I've spoken about it, asked him so many times. And some people say to me, it's not as simple as that, you know, buying three players instead of nine. Why not? You know, you're bringing the guys in. Yeah, they're on bigger wages, but, you know, the, the influx of nine players and all the contracts that that involved as well. And I know the club will, you know, they'll also say, but we signed big deals for all these existing players to keep them at the club. Yeah, you did. You absolutely did. And that's an investment. But it's when you bring in the nine players and instantly you don't really see the success. I think Palmer has shown in the first six months a bit of instant impact. The rest of them have shown a bit of promise. Bernardo started coming into a game four games before the break. Navrotsky, a couple of games before the break. So at this moment in time, there's big question marks over a lot of those signings. There's no guarantees. I get it. But if you're going to be shopping in that kind of uh, pool, if you like, of the two to maybe three and a half million pounds in that age group, then you're going to get a 50 50, I think, you know, which isn't good enough in terms of your hit rate. Magnet yep. 67. Sorry to disappoint you, mate. Uh, love every act on day, but I have to admit, Friday's my favourite with Jim and or Alan. Well, listen, we've got two absolutely top quality performances. Double Denim says, two top lads on the panel today. Going to be a good show. Exactly. It really is. Um, Matt's going nowhere, says Lubo's Ibrox party in this window. Talking about Ibrox parties, Lloyd Patrick Jepson. Um, it's interesting how the narrative has changed in time over the, the ticket fiasco uh, between Celtic and Rangers and how that filters into other news sources who don't really have the same kind of investment in Scottish football in terms of their interest. And all of a sudden, it's a Celtic and Rangers problem that we don't have away fans at games. It's interesting how that happens with the narrative, isn't it? Yeah, it is. it's funny how it's kind of been mandated back at Celtic that it's part of our problem. Well, yeah. once again, we weren't the ones to first lock the away fans out and down, downgrade the tickets to 700 odd. That's a certain club over in Govan that done that. But the fact that they're even, yeah, it's good that they're getting round the table and maybe discussing it. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. For me, all or nothing. It's you go back to the fill allocation or you take nothing and you give them nothing. This is even take the, the European allocation for me is fine. You know, I think at least something, but see this 750, 100 nonsense is, is pointless. You know, I, I think we should bin that immediately. That, you, you, I, still I agree issues, you still have the same issues, You still have the same issues. They're not going to go away with just 700. So even a European yeah. allocation, it would even be decent, but they won't, they won't do that. What is that? Three and a half? Yeah, yeah three and a half. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and, and again, you know, we know how narratives are skewed, right? But if you've been talking about this since it happened in, in the live sense, you know exactly all the nuances of this breakdown, if you like. Um, I, see, I just feel like it's one of the ones where somebody drags you into a Twitter spat. Somebody just starts having a go at you, and if you start and they go back, uh, you get dragged right into it, don't you? Right into the bills of a daft argument. Celtic have been dragged into this, but the 750, I remember at the time, um, Celtic sometimes do this just to ensure that uh, the fan media platforms are well enough informed when it comes to discussing the matter. But when Celtic refused the 750 for the first time at Ibrox, there was two reasons for it. The first one was fan safety, and the second one was fan experience. And they're both kind of like bleed into each other, don't you? I mean, if you're going to be at a game worried that you're going to get hit with a half bottle of bucky or whatever at some point, then you're not going to have a very good experience and your safety's at risk. So that's why the club knocked back the 750. But Rangers have painted themselves into a corner because they no longer have seven and a half. They can't give us the broom one. This, this is the issue now, isn't it? Yeah, the, the safety issue is paramount for me. We've, we've got a couple of guys, obviously, on the show. I think it was Natasha and, and Declan as well that that said as much that when they're there, they're, it's just not a safe environment. And you can't have that. You just can't have that with the threat of people chucking stuff and not even the threat. It happens so... For me, it's it's nonsensical. It's it's a no-brainer that the seven fifty is just it's not going to work. Um, so yeah, fair play. I think the club need to stick to its guns on this. That no, it's, we're not accepting that. And as you said, the Rangers have tried to shift the narrative as if this is us now that are are refusing to budge and negotiate or compromise. But no, they they started all this when they couldn't handle us. You know, the, the Edward goal notoriously that's the one that, that started all this when they just couldn't handle the fact that we kept going to Ibrox kept winning and kept having our weekend of celebrations at the end. So, um, yeah, the problem's on them and it's, it's it's convenient for them now that, again, they're wanting to try and uh, change it again because I think they've noticed they can't come to Celtic Park without any crowd and they, they keep getting beat. Whereas we've shown we can go we can go to Ibrox, crowd or no crowd, and, and manage to get results. So they're looking at the game coming up, the, the next fixture um, at Ibrox and Celtic, the, the two coming up, sorry, before the end of the season. They're wanting to get their fans back in because they know now that they're you know, and on no grounds have they got a leg to stand on. But uh, as usual, you can't, you can't lodge, you can't um, reason with people without logic. You know, and it's it's just one of those things again that I think the club just have to stand their ground on. Either as Lloyd says, back to the full allocation, or for me, something you know, a compromise. But it needs to be. It can't be this seven fifty. Three and a half thousand. Sorry, we've lost your sound there. I seem just as you're explaining that you're back. I think you're back. Yeah. No, the point you made there about Celtic winning. Uh, these games regardless I think is a very good one because at the end of this campaign and we've all realised and accepted that we're in a title fight if the the winning of that league is a, a points deficit uh, of up to 12 points and you've not won a Glasgow derby then you start looking at that and thinking oh, we definitely do need our fans at these games um, sorry Asim just a check mate to see if I can hear you now are you back? Few yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you're back. Yeah, you're absolutely okay. back. No, but you're right. And and we, to be honest, with, with the narratives, I think that comes into play regardless when, when Scottish football um, is being discussed. The other thing, of course, is it does show up our authorities for being a toothless tiger in the scenario for, for leaving it uh, rumbling on so long. Dundas Montgomery comes in. Um, free Jota. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is, I think, was it last week we spoke about uh, Jota's uh, move and it was uh, suggested on the show from a source that he was going to Ajax. And then, of course, there was the, the talk of him 
having a, a move within uh, the Saudi Pro League. That's broken down. Meanwhile, his teammate has gone to Ajax and Jordan Henderson. So there might be something in the move to Ajax. He's not coming to Celtic, unfortunately. Uh, the other Polish player we had at the time back in the late 80s was, of course, Darius Dovcek. For a wee while, we called him Shuggy. I don't know if that was a not-the-view thing, uh, but I do remember calling him Shuggy. Alistair Ross um, is reminded of Darius Dovcek when he looks at that away top that has been sported by Lloyd. And I always remember in one of Billy McNeil's books, uh, he's one of his autobiographies, there was a couple written during his lifetime, and um, he spoke about Dovcek being one of the biggest disappointments in his managerial career because he had such natural talent. The left-back with the incredible shot, um, but he didn't, you know, he never played in a, Celtic, a successful Celtic team, unfortunately. Pete McGee, you're back in. Matt O'Reilly is head and shoulders, the most gifted player in Scotland. I don't disagree with that. Scott 88, does the City group not own Girona? They are part of the City Football mm-hmm. Group. I think that was uh, the reason why Paddy Roberts had a loan spell at Celtic and Girona during his time at Manchester City. Um, I mentioned uh, the fear of being hit with a half bottle of Bucky. So let's talk about Bucky Thistle now. All these links are just seamless. (laughs) Seamless. Lloyd, (laughs) Lloyd, the football's back on Sunday. Um, It's against an opponent who has never visited Celtic Park in Bucky Thistle. We know that we have faced them in a, I think it was a friendly or a testimonial previously, around about Mm -hmm. the time, actually. Did Jackie play in that game? It's all coming together. It was around about that time. Uh, Bucky Thistle, I'm going to just ask you, how do you line up for it, Lloyd? How do you, I mean, because yesterday, JP and I were talking about an opportunity to get a couple of the fringe players' game time because, uh, you know, there is no opportunity. I mean, we sent them to a couple of testimonials recently just to get them games in their legs. Is to, is Sunday one of those opportunities, do you think? I think Sunday is one of the perfect opportunities where you do bring some of the French players in, either maybe guys that you're trying to move on. I'm not suggesting for one minute James McCarthy starts, because I think we all know that's never going to happen. But um, <laughs> definitely some of the French guys should play. Obviously, you need to try and get minutes into the legs. The guy's coming back for injury as well. So hopefully Carter Vickers and that will maybe play as well. But um, guys like Seagrest and that, perfect opportunity to give them a game. See if any team wants to take them. So, yeah. Right, yeah. I, I made the point, and, and because, you know, there's no nuance with a tweet, is there, Asim? And you can say something and someone will pick something up from it. My point was this, uh, about getting fringe players out on loan. Uh, I used Chris Iyer as an example, which is probably why people thought I was uh, mad for having Seagrass and McCarthy in my list. I used Chris Iyer as an example. Chris Iyer went on to become a, a, you know, a really valuable player for Celtic. We sold him for big money, and he had that spell at Killy for 17 games where he really thrived, and it was a brilliant development move for him. And I think we've got some players in our squad, like Yang and Tilio, that I think development moves would be good for them on a loan on a loan deal and there's other players like Segrist Kobayashi and McCarthy who I think loans would be good not to develop them to come back but to basically showcase them because yeah. at the moment how on earth could you sell or get a permanent deal for Segrist and McCarthy when combined in the last 18 months I think they've played two games <laughs> it's going to be difficult yeah. to convince anybody that these guys can do your job. It's not going to take them three months to get up to speed. So this is what I was talking about with that other type of player who's not going to game, loan them out rather than tear up the contract. And, and there is then a possibility of finding them a club. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and, and as we spoke about several times, the manager likes a, a tight-knit trimmer squad, so just getting players off. Uh, away, you know, away for a bit. It will do the players good. It will do our own squad good. Um, as you said, it's different reasons for loaning out different players. Um, you know, we've we've obviously loaned out Quan, which I thought was quite a an interesting one that he's gone to St. Mirren. Um, because you wonder on what basis have they what have they seen to you know to even want Quan? But I guess the relationship between Robinson and maybe Rogers and the fact that maybe Rogers sees there is something in the player. Um, has led to to that move. Sorry, can you hear me? Okay, I don't know if there's yeah yeah yeah. yeah okay. Um, so yeah, with with those kind of examples, uh, Telio Yang, yeah, there's definitely a lot to be gained from maybe loaning them out, especially if it was within our own league, so that we can have a look at them. They can then get some game time, get their confidence up. But yeah, there are other players there that are just not contributing whatsoever now, and if we can't get them out on a permanent. Hundred percent. We need to be doing all that we can to either free up the wages, get get them away from from the place, just um, for their own good as well, and, and trim that squad up. Because you spoke about it before. If you've got a, such a big squad and half, there's such a big number of them not contributing. That does nothing for morale um, within the group. So the likes of Seagrass, McCarthy, even now Mikey Johnston, I think we'll obviously see a lot less of him in this, the second half of the season. It's, it's probably worth him now trying to trying to find another move as well. So. You know, we've we've all talked about this January window being so important, and we want to see a few go out the door and a few come in. It's been pretty slow. I think we can all admit that. Um, you spoke about it before that maybe that's not a bad thing. We're being patient in terms of incomings and and things like that. But you know, we've got ten days left, and I'm looking at that squad, and it's still far too top heavy. There's still too many players there that are not going to be contributing. There's still a few key areas where I feel we we still haven't addressed. Um, so let's hope we can sort that out. In terms of Sunday, I probably disagree with Lloyd in that one. I think we should just play our full strength team because we've been off for three weeks now. We've got obviously Ross County next week. We just want to get get everyone back into the swing of things, get a big healthy scoreline, get everyone's confidence going, maybe get the new guy some minutes um, and just kind of get right back into the swing of things. We notoriously come back well from winter breaks. Um, previously under Rogers as well, we've we've always done well. So I just want to see us get motoring and, and really go for it on Sunday and and kind of show no mercy and just try and rack up a healthy scoreline um, and get kind of feel good going again. No, I, I know what you mean by that. I'm, I'm looking at the old uh, the game. Uh, tell me in the comment section if you were at the game between Bucky Thistle and Celtic on the third of August, 1989. It was a centenary challenge match. Celtic won three nothing. Uh, I'm trying to get the third goal scorer, but Tommy Burns scored two goals. Uh, I, in fact, the goals were scored by Tommy Burns getting a brace and Derek White scored the other goal. Um, and the Celtic team, Bonner, Morris, Aiken, White, Grant, Mathy, Fulton, Jackanoski, Coyne and Burns. Uh, Stuart Balmer and Andy Walker came on as subs for Celtic. And some of those names have been mentioned in the comment section in relation to who that jersey reminds you of. So there you go. Jack Inoski's in there. Uh, Stevie Fulton. Alex Mathy. Don't know if you remember Alex Mathy. He was a, a promising youngster. We, we moved him on to Morton. And then he got a bizarre move to Newcastle United under Kevin Keegan. 
back in the days when I was writing at my English football and I used to watch Monday night football, right? And uh, Newcastle were playing, I think it was Southampton. Alex Matthew came on as a sub. It was so surreal. This is a guy that they signed. Newcastle United, English, English Premier League, under Kevin Keegan, signed a player from Morton, Alex Matthew, and he scored that night. That was a great Newcastle side. <laughs> Joseph McGonagall, uh, it's wee Joe Miller's jersey, says Joseph. Yeah, I remember wee Joe wearing it uh, as well. Bourbon Culture. Uh, we'd like to see Maeda and Hatati brought on. We are, of course, talking about the, the match. I'm just going to see uh, an update on the score. Iraq against... Uh, Still 2-0. 2 nothing in the Asian Cup. 76 minutes on the clock. And a bit of a disappointing time for the, the Celtic contingent in the Japanese squad. They're not getting their game time. But a good thing for us because they're going to come back nice and fresh. Uh, Marquis, be typical uh, of us to finally find a midfield trio that works. We're talking, of course, of Bernardo and O'Reilly with McGregor, only to sell one of them, and another isn't even our player. Um, Bernardo, of course, will keep his jersey, you would expect, Lloyd, at the weekend, because he was coming on a right good bit of form. Um, I completely changed my view on the player. I was talking about cutting his loan deal short, and he starts scoring against Rangers and bossing it and and setting goals up. Um, And it's been a real turnaround. So he's a player, I think him and Navroski are two players that Many might have written off, but they seem to be coming into it now six months down the line, Lloyd. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I expressed my opinions recently on Bernardo and how wrong I got it with the fact that I would now sign him because I said previously you should cut his loan deal short because he wasn't getting in the team. But yeah, he's came on to a bit of form now. Um, so you obviously think to yourself, right, the midfield three now, we had Tati being at the Asia Cup, it kind of is going to be the main midfield three at O'Reilly, McGregor and Bernardo, because I don't see anybody else pushing for that team. And then obviously you've got the situation with Turnbull and his contract in the next six months running down. So you look at things like that, then Navrotsky, he's obviously just coming back for a long-term injury. Obviously played a few minutes against Rangers and St Martin. So you kind of think to yourself there with that one, does he now have the opportunity to push scales for that starting position? Because you kind of think he was brought in £4 million signing he was meant to be the main guy partnering CCV and Skills has also took the jersey right off him now maybe it's time for him to fight Skills for it this is a, this is a big debate right so you go into that game at the weekend and obviously we've had our crisis moments in the defence i seen this season and it settled down and, it, and we're probably looking at a defence that none of us would have suggested or, or envisaged and uh for me, at this moment in time, Liam Scales is undroppable. You've got Cameron Carter-Vickers, who is kind of struggling, I think, with reoccurring injury problems this season. Uh, Navroski is definitely a backup, but he's shown uh, like he, he might well have the fibre, as Lloyd says, to come in as a first-team player. Stephen Wells, so, so unlucky this season. Uh, and then, of course, guys like uh, Lagerbielk, the forgotten man who might end up in Italian football, uh, Kobayashi who we've mentioned and we're now in a scenario where you're looking at that and thinking scales it's not a purple patch he's a first pick and it is down to anybody regardless of um, you know if it's a player like Welsh who's come through the ranks or it's a big buy like Navroski uh, to win that jersey but scales has done nothing at the moment uh, that would say to me that he should get dropped or lose his position in the team yeah, I think the, the beauty of it, both in the centre-back position and the, the centre-mid, which um, Lloyd was talking about, is 
now you've got competition for places where it's based on form rather than lack of form. So early yeah. in the season, you know, nobody nobody could hold that position down because no one was really excelling. Whereas now if you've got Navrochke Nero- who's came in and I thought done pretty well, um, especially having been out for so long, I thought he was, he was really good in the Rangers game um, and then followed that up. So if, if it's a case of now strong competition between himself, Carter Vickers and Scales, that's good. That's what you want. It's, you know, now it's looking like, okay, we've got three really good options and it's, it's whoever's there to, it's their job to try and keep the jersey. And as long as they're performing, as you say, Scales currently undroppable. But it now means that if he has a poor game, he's got someone there that's going to come in and take his place. Um, likewise, CCV. You know, CCV for me still are, are by far and away our best centre-back. You know, I know he's had a few issues with injury, but I still feel when he's there, there's a calming presence. I think we're much better in terms of how we come away with the, the ball. His, um, his passing from the back is crisp, so I still want him in that team. Um, and the same with the midfield now. We've got Bernardo, O'Reilly and McGregor, who've really functioned well in the last four games. And I think that's been a key as to why we've started up the upturn in form because we've now got a consistency in midfield. And again, it's not a case of who can we trial this week, you know, whether it's Alata, home, uh, Bernardo, Turnbull. And it was just a case of one by one, they were all getting a shot and nobody really standing out. We now gave Bernardo a shot four games in a row. I thought he got better as each game went on. Um, he's adding goals to his game. He's always looked pretty effective off the ball. Uh, and I just think there's a right good dynamic between the three of them. So, you know, I'm happy with that midfield area. I'm happy with the kind of centre-back options now. Um, I'm delighted that we brought in a winger because for me that was was a priority personally. Um, and if we can just add a striker and a left-back, we then have healthy competition in every position that I think we need in order to, to make sure we go on and clinch this title. Yeah, no, this is it. Uh, quality, the big word, the buzzword this season. Um, and I've been asked a, a wee question here, and I'm not sure I need to ask you the context of it, Plunge McNugget. Uh, you are a regular on the comment section. Are you sure you were born in 1978? Are you looking at me thinking you look a lot older than that? Is that what you're saying to me? Uh, I'm not sure if I made a reference that, that doesn't really fit in with the timeline. Let me know. I'm more than happy. Yeah, 1978 was my date of birth, December. Uh, Lubo's Ibrox party who plays up front if Hugo's injured right let's talk about that then because we're talking now about uh, strengthening the team and uh, I've said from day one I would like a left back and a striker and then my kind of my wish list after that would include the goalie and I think we can get to the summer people disagree with that it's fine um, with Joe Hart so when we're talking about left backs we'll come back to them striker then what does happen if, if Kyogo gets injured Lloyd and it is a it really is a concern you know, it could happen on Sunday um, we're looking at Abada can play through the middle. We know that. Maeda can, but he's also at the Asian Cup. Is there anybody else? Wing-wise, do you think that Palmer could play? He's certainly not a, a striker. I mean, I think Palmer could maybe do the number 10 job. But uh, it is a concern for me, absolutely. And I think that's why the private priority list should include a striker, Lloyd. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, I, I might even offer my services if I could play up front. You know what I mean? Six foot two striker, why not? That's the six kick. foot two kick. eyes of blue. I wouldn't go eyes of blue right enough. My eyes are green, <laughs> but there you go. Um, no, it's it's kind of worried me a bit because obviously, like you said, if Kyogo does get injured, then you kind of are down to that no striker option. And yeah, first time round with Brendan Rodgers, you had Scott Sinclair there who could come in for the wing and play that position, or Patrick Roberts. But I don't see it that way. Any of the wingers we've got at the minute that could do that, apart from maybe Maeda. But like you said, he's an Asian Cup duty. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any names really getting linked apart from Kim Nutson and Sydney Van Hoydonk. But how much 
genuine interest is in them, I'm not entirely sure. So you, you would really like to think the priority now as a striker and also a left-back with the remainder of the window going. Yeah, you mentioned Van Hoy Donkin. We've spoken about it on this show before. We asked the question of Pierre when we did the gig with him back in October. He said he'd never heard anything from Celtic, but obviously that might have changed between the 31st of October and now. I'm not discounting that. It's a good, uh, what we're talking, probably 10 weeks ago, that gig. Um, and that interview actually was never properly edited. I, I, I banged it up on the uh, the weekend or the charity weekend or so, unedited, uh, not with the proper audio and all that. It's on the channel and it will be refined and you will get the fully edited um, version of it. But the, the good thing about firing up the unedited version is when we were fixing a few things with the mics and all that, Jerry Taylor, our very own, asks Pierre about Sydney, and it's on tape. And mm-hmm. Sydney says, no, uh, Pierre says, no, it's not happening. So it is actually on tape, but it was kind of like off tape, but it's caught, it's picked up. So you can watch that. And the better version of that is going to be on the channel very, very soon, uh, just like the Johan Yalby one is up there as well. We're hearing that Hatati and Maeda are now on for Japan to see if they can save that game because obviously they were 2 nothing doing it at half time. And Michael McDonald comes in to say Celtic have paid a loan fee for Bernardo for the season. Yeah, they do, um, but we have cut loan fees early in the past. Maurice Jens and uh, Abel Gard, two examples of that. Remember, who was the guy? Ali Adia. Was that his name? Jeremy? He's your main, under... your main Ali Adia, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he came in and that was cut short really as well. So there's always something in the deal that you can recall a player. I mean, we've just done it with Adam Montgomery, haven't we? And then put him out to Motherwell. Um Jim McLaughlin, don't see, sorry, don't need to make a decision on Bernardo until the summer. Wait and see, hundred percent. I mean, listen, if he plays four good games, it's a flash in the pan. If he can build on that in the second half of the season, you buy him because he, you know, he really did look impressive. Now, Paul, I don't want you to get worried here. We could lose anybody, but it's not going to happen. I, I mean, really, Asim, you've seen the the reaction. If you look at last season. And we always talk about Jota, Starfelt, Moy, but we also lost Juranovic and we also lost Yakamakis. That's five really, really important first team players. Yeah. We could we just cannot afford to lose another one at this stage, can we? No, and again, it's a, the profile of the player that we're losing. I know he's quite young in age, but he's yeah, Matt O'Reilly is one of the leaders in this group right now. You, you can see that on the pitch. He's he's been there two and a half years now, or no, coming up for two years, sorry. Um, so yeah, he's he's far too important in, in all aspects, and, and same with Carter Vickers. These aren't the kind of guys that we need to be getting rid of. We've got a lot of players that we could be doing with getting rid of, um, and and those two just aren't it. So no, I don't think we should be worried. Obviously, I, again, I, I keep saying it. In summer, it might be different, and again, we can reevaluate and, and look at the squad at that point, but. We've got 16 games to go and, you know, that's, I, I only kind of realised that the other day when I looked at it, I didn't realise it was as few games as that left. Um, we're kind of near the home straight now, so it's time for us to kind of really put the foot down and, and get into, you know, and I think that's where the manager's good for that. I think he's got experience of these kind of run-ins. I remember in his, um, I think it might have been his second, second or third season, maybe both, where we went into the kind of winter break when it was quite tight. Um, and then we came back from it. I remember the, there was one where we lost at Ibrox, actually. Um, and everyone was thinking, right, we've got a right good title race on and it's going to be tight. And then we just came back and really motored. Um, and I think he's got previews for that. So I think we're going to be on, on full on, you know, pedal to the metal kind of mode now and just really go for it. So the for me, that doesn't, you know, there's not even bear thinking that we're going to lose two of our best players. 
No, no, absolutely no. doesn't. But I think about, listen, here we go. This is what the comments are all about. We've just been reminded our new signing can play through the middle. Yeah, absolutely, he can. Um, no, he you're did, right, he, he did can. That, because, he? And I keep going on about it, asking, we've got too many wingers. But, I mean, we've bought a player there that obviously could be also a backup striker. So credit where credit's due in terms of that as well. Absolutely, he could cover in there. Fantastic point. Thank you for making it. Um, and uh, the song that I was referring to, Lloyd, the Six Foot Two Eyes of Blue, was a song that used to be sang to Jim Holton, who played, of course, for Scotland and Man United. Um, and an interesting fact about Jim Holton is that um, during the, the writing of the Quality Street Gang book, I was told by all the members who were there that Jim Holton was one of the guys that went up with him on a Tuesday and a Thursday night, and he was one of the hopefuls, and he was never signed, Jim Holton. Uh, there was a few other players, uh, Jimmy O'Rourke, who later went to make his name at Hibs. Um, he went up on a Tuesday and a Thursday to train with what became the Quality Street Kids. And a certain Graham Soonis also went up and trained with uh, the Quality Street Kids. But there is, to my knowledge, not a picture of him wearing a Celtic strip. I don't think, if there is, that I would like to see it. Plunge McNugget tells me that I remember the late 80s and the early 90s and I was just a wee boy. I was just a wee boy, but I was an absolute geek then, and I'm a geek now, and uh, I do remember all these things, particularly about Celtic. Uh, Peter King, need to get a striker in as soon as possible, get bedded in. We're apparently interested in a few. We haven't heard much in relation to the domestic signings that have been mentioned previously, Lloyd, Miofsky and Shankland, uh, two names. Apparently Rogers had uh, sent a scout to every Miofsky game this season. Um, I, I can't see any of those two uh, coming through for Celtic. And uh, certainly Lyndon Dykes isn't one that's uh, filling anybody with any enthusiasm either. Uh, and we've got Chris Garden, the Bromby striker who we were interested in in the summer. Can you see us bringing in a striker, particularly when you consider that our new signing, Kuhn, can play through in the middle as well? He can play through in the middle, but obviously you would like to get that out-and-out striker, or at least, I, I keep going back, Brendan Rodgers likes to kind of play with the striker in the mouldy Dembele and Edward. And I think this is kind of where Kyogo struggled this season, kind of that hold-the-ball-up player to let the midfield run beyond them. So you kind of hope he's looking for that type of striker. But those guys now are... They're mega millions now that you need to spend for. So do we really have that type of money then to go and pay that for them? And I don't think many clubs will do that type of business in January. That's also kind of my worry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just it's just occurred to me here. I was talking about um, a lot of our domestic games. I see my frustration sometimes that we we don't really need to be playing four defenders. And I know that it worked when they basically became inverted. Uh, they flooded the midfield. Yeah. It worked really well then. But you know, against Bucky, it's like why not play a couple up front? I mean, I, I know that's bonkers to even suggest that we play with two strikers. But it would be an interesting thing to see. I mean, I think Abada could probably play behind uh, Kyogo. I think uh, Kuhn obviously could could uh, fit that role as well. Um, and attack, attack, attack and just go for it and, and try and rack up as much goals. Jokestein used to talk about, particularly before big European games, he would organise friendlies at him just so that he could get goals um, because he yeah. just felt that there was nothing better for confidence. And you could be playing somebody who was, you know, non-league as it would have been back then, but just get a game, score eight or nine goals and it just breeds confidence. And I think that's important as well. No complacency, no disrespect to the team we're playing on Sunday. But um, I, would, I would like to see us try something like that. Three at the back, play with three centre-halves. 
Yeah, and in a way, it's a, it's a perfect fixture to come back to. Again, like you say, famous last words, you don't want to end up getting too excited and then it turns out to, to not go the way we anticipated. But it's, it's a great fixture for, for us to, to really go for it and try and hammer in the goals. Um, we've obviously came off the back of four wins, so the, the spirits in the camp will be pretty high. Um, I just don't see Rodgers changing the shape. He, he didn't do it when we were really struggling, when a lot of people were calling out for us to maybe switch to a three-five-two or... He's he's quite stubborn in his way in terms of how he starts games. I know he's he's open to adapting things mid game and changing the the tactics at times. But in terms of from the start, he usually he's he's quite consistent. He he likes his system. He likes to shape the way it is. So I don't see him suddenly going for two up top, especially when right now we are short in the striker department as it is. Um, I know people have mentioned Abada can play there, and Maida can play there. But yeah, I would be worried if Kyogo was to get an injury because. Both of them aren't natural strikers, uh, not for me anyway. Um, and it would be a concern then if we're having to rely on big games and we've got quite a lot of big games coming up. Um, you know, this this part of the, the, the season, we've got a, quite, a, quite a few of our tougher away fixtures coming up. So for me, it's imperative that we do get a striker in, actually. I, I think that's really important. Um, I know you spoke about the fact that we've already got a lot of wingers, but I think this Kuhn signing was really, really key for me as well. I just think the profile, the kind of signing he is, the kind of winger he is, is what we don't currently have, um, is, which is someone that can eliminate defenders, take people on, create, mm-hmm. um, but a bit of pace. So it's different from the other wingers. Um, and it's not about having maybe seven or eight wingers on the books. It's about having two or three that you can rely on. And I think he, we'd obviously we'd need to wait and see, but from from the looks of it, the way he speaks and the kind of clips and things of, of, of what he's going to bring to the table, I think this could be a really big signing for us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Abada or Maeda up front for the rest of the season, says Paul DB. We know uh, Maeda is fancied through the middle for his national side. And Liam Carrigan goes on about that uh, as well. We've not really seen it. I think we've seen it for one half in a friendly. He scored a hat-trick. He looked OK against his uh, ex-club. He won't get a decent striker at sitting on the bench, says uh, Axid uh, LMTB. Yeah, I get that. But I don't think any player worth their salt would be signing to sit on the bench. I mean, you, you yeah. want to be buying a player who has both the, the mentality, I see him, and the ability to be pushing Kyogo for the jersey. So I get what you mean. I think when you buy a player like O, uh, because of the age profile, yeah, he probably didn't expect to come in as a first-choice uh, striker, especially with Kyogo scoring so um, rapidly and um, you know prolifically over the first two seasons. You wouldn't have expected to dislodge him. But why not buy somebody who does have the belief and the ability to do that? Scott McGill, welcome to the show, Scott. Uh, Maeda's natural position was centre-forward, so put him up with uh, Kyogo. It would be interesting to see that. We've not really seen it. And Paul Bosas, Tony Ralston, striker. The reason I brought this up, um, from memory, he'd done a couple of keepy-uppies and scored on the turn. Was that against Hearts at Tynecastle? You remember that? It was an incredible goal. Um, and it wasn't chopped off. The one it was chopped off was a flying header. Um, and he showed some amount of... Is it techers, they call it these days, Paul? Tony Ralston up top, I like him as a right-back, hitting that violin and getting the crosses over. Uh, Mark, I just like bringing up the, the name Dykes when talking about Celtic going to buy somebody. His agent must be playing a blinder to even get him mentioned as a possible target. Nowhere near good enough. I agree with that. And it's no snobbery. Um, I remember at the time that he signed for Queen's Park Rangers from Livingston, people going on, Lloyd, about the fact that he, he was uh, given Julian nightmares and all this, he's a player that we should sign. I'm sorry, we're not going to progress in that type of player, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. I mean, yeah, it's just like back having that physical battle with, with Julian, but I think most strikers 
back then did, and because I think they knew Julian couldn't handle it. So, yeah, he, for me, he's not getting the same qualities that we're looking for regarding a striker. We're looking for more goals in the team to finish games off, because obviously, if Kyogo's misinformed, you want to rely on that second striker. Oh, does I, I'm impressed with him, but the thing that's missing for O's game is loads of goals. That's the only thing I would say that's missing. So you're kind of wanting that striker to come in. And like both of you said, you want them to challenge Kyogo. You don't want him to come in just be a, a player that sits on the bench. You want him to challenge. Because there's no point bringing these players in thinking, oh well, they're not going to get in the team, they're just going to be bench warmers. Bring them in, add to the squad. More quality, that's what we're wanting. Yeah. You want a left back breathing down Greg Taylor's neck. You want that. You know, you want that competition all over the park. Maestro, um, talking about the good old days, used to buy programmes when I started going to the football. 40 pence back in the day, early 80s. I have got piles and piles and piles of them. Um, and a massive stash given to us, donated to us by our good pal David Briggs, who um, has given us loads of programmes to get signed so that we can then um, raffle and auction them off to raise some funds for wee Jamie Tierney as well. It's ongoing our fundraising endeavours, and CJ Palmer can play up front too. Yeah, absolutely. Palmer's came in for a bit of stick. I seem I've noticed, um, put a wee video out yesterday. I've been impressed over the piece. I know that there's been games where he's he's not been great, but I think uh, first six months, if you were doing a report, I think Palmer's been a success. Yeah, I would agree. He's, um, I know he splits opinion even within our within our Axon team. Um, some are more of a fan than others. I think for me, he's he's been... He's he's shown real moments of quality and, and kind of magic and spells. Some of his finishing and his assists, his stats are obviously you know very impressive. I think it's just when you you watch him in certain games and it almost feels like he's I wouldn't say the word hiding because I think that's quite harsh. Um, but you know he, he does you feel like he's gone missing in games. Um, he's quite inconsistent with his output in terms of his passing at times. He can be quite wasteful. Um, but that's that's me being overly critical. I think on the whole, you look at someone who's came in. He's he's came in from playing in Greece, um, and he's adapted pretty quickly in terms of, you know, he's, he's scored big goals for us. He's had some big moments. Um, as I say, he's he's got some real moments of quality. I wonder if he's someone that we can deploy maybe in a more central role, because he lacks that bit of pace sometimes as a winger to maybe beat a man. We're relying on then him to maybe always come up with a really good assist or a really good pass or shot. Um, I think he can be really creative in that kind of middle number ten role. Um, I would like to maybe see him in there because I think he's got that eye for a pass. He's got that creation. He can shoot from distance. And then we don't need to really have some... His lack of pace won't be as big an issue there, especially in domestic games when you're trying to un, unlock a stubborn defence. Um, so I'd like to maybe see that. But I don't, again, we've not seen it in the in the recent games and weeks. But again, that may be because we've got a shortage of wide options. So now if you've got, for example, Maida on the left, where I think he's more effective on the left rather than the right, and then maybe we've got Kuhn coming in from the left hand side uh, on the other on the other um, wing, and then maybe the likes of Palma. I think that could be quite a, a dangerous um, front four, you know, behind Kyogo. So, yeah, um, I know Alan Morrison's quite a big fan. I've, I've seen kind of his reports and in, in terms of his stats and even like his counter pressing things like that. So, yeah, I think on the whole, I would say he's been the the sole um, positive signing from the summer. Yeah, and dare I say a player who can get the ball and he's got good upper body strength. You don't see him getting knocked off the ball very often. Doesn't really like taking on a man. Doesn't really have that pace. Although I've seen a, a wee bit of the old uh, Lennox Town footage and it looked like he did have a bit of pace. 
Um, loves a strike from distance, yeah. loves a, a, a breathtaking pass. Almost Tommy Rogic-esque, dare I say. Am I allowed to compare anybody to Tommy Rogic? I'm going to get pelters for that. But if I do, I'm just going to remind Kevin McCluskey that he compared Haksabanovic to Berbatov, um, and then I'll be fine. It'll take the heat off me, right? <laughs> The reason I'm bringing this up, Pete McGee, Gary Neville was on Dragon's Den last night. What's going on? Yeah, he's one of the pundits. Now, how many are there? I've not seen it for years. Is there three? Is there three there was, in the panel? Last night, there was six. What? Six? Six. It was actually quite a good watch. I think I've, I've watched a wee clip of it, so... Right. So I think, uh, People are going to be saying, why on earth are you talking about it? Well, um, if you were basing this, Lloyd, on all the Celtic-related guests that we've had in the live events in 2023, which three would you choose to be on the panel of Dragon's Den? I'm going to tell you the three that I would I would choose, right? I would have Brian McClare on that panel because Brian McClare would be able to give them that stare and, and really test their mettle when it came to them asking for money and a share in a business. Jackie Mack, who's a wee businessman, he's a brilliant businessman, and Martin O'Neill, because Martin O'Neill suffers no fools. Who would be the panel for you on the Dragons then? I would say Alan Thompson would be quite a good one to have on it. Um, I would go with Martin O'Neill as well, um, just for his managerial experience. <sighs> would, we Strack? would we Strack be in there? Yeah, Gordon Strack would, would be in there. I was actually trying to think all the ones I've attended this year. Um, Aye, Gordon Strike would actually be quite good on that, actually. Brilliant. Superb, Asim. Any thoughts on that? Anybody with a business acumen who could uh, give you the 20-yard stare? <laughs> um, I've, only at one of, I've only been fortunate to go to one of the events, which was the, the Johan Mialbi one, um, which was great, by the way. Uh, brilliant job. And I've seen the kind of um, clip of the, the video going out as well last week, and it was very well received by those who couldn't be there. It was a, it was a, a great time and a great night. Um, but I would agree with Martin O'Neill. I just uh, I kind of grew up around that Martin O'Neill era, and I just thought he was he was he was just a perfect mix, wasn't he? He had the respect of everyone. Um, as you say, he's, he's again he's someone who doesn't suffer fools, um, but he's got a great wit and humour about him, a great personality. So yeah, I think he'd be the he'd be the one for me. He would be unbelievable. And again, you find yourself in what can only be described as surreal situations when you are doing any kind of these events with Excels. And I had to pick Martin O'Neill up in Fife and take him to, to Dundee. Uh, was it Dundee? Ah, it was Dundee. Uh, and so I had a couple of hours uh, there and back in the car with Martin O'Neill. And you're, you're driving at some point, Lloyd, thinking, Martin O'Neill's in the passenger seat. What are we going to talk about next? And we went through everything from true crime, talking about Peter Sutcliffe and all that kind of stuff to mentality and, and all that. Unbelievable uh, guy, brilliant company. And I'm looking forward to doing another event one week tonight with Mark Manil. Hopefully, um, if you are attending, uh, you're going to enjoy that. If you have bought tickets and you can't make it, um, I'm going to send you a wee email actually over the weekend to see if you want them to be um, refunded so I can dish them out elsewhere because I've got a huge waiting list as well. Uh, so don't worry if even they've been bought as a gift and you can't make it, I'll be able to uh, give you a full refund because there's a huge waiting list. So if you've heard that message and you have got tickets, you can't make it, get in touch with me um, on DM, on the social media or via email at pauljohndykes at gmail.com um, or just wait for the email because it will happen over the weekend. Um, I want to get a few predictions before we go. Uh, I know I'm keeping you a wee bit later than normal. Quick prediction, Lloyd Patrick Jepson. Bucky Thistle, Sunday, what do you think the score is going to be? I'll go Celtic 8, 
bucket of soul. No. <laughs> that is bold. <laughs> right. Asim. Um, I'm going to go slightly less ambitious. I'll go for six. Six nil. Um, and our new guy to come on and get a, get a wee goal as well. Uh, just another update. Um, Iraq have beaten Japan 2-1. Um, and it's absolute scenes in the stadium. So it's a big, big victory for Iraq there. Yeah, quite a shock, I think. So, yeah, I'm sure a lot of my Iraqi friends will be will be loving that. Absolutely. Well done. Nine, two, one, and no goals for any of the Celts who came on. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. I think 6-0. And I'm going to put a wee asterisk beside that and say no disrespect intended on the opponent. I just think that when you are five levels above um, your opponents, you're going to have the quality, you're going to have the fitness, uh, you're going to have the know-how, the craft to get through um, a game like that and score a few goals as well. Uh, we will be covering the game as we always do, 30 minutes before kickoff. Join us if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Loads of big stuff coming up. Like Asim says, we, we managed to film one of our recent gigs, and that was because so many people were asking for us to do it. It won't always be possible, but we did do it for Johan Mialbe. Check it out. It's a good watch. The guy's brilliant. Um, my favourite story being the Van Dyke one and how we decided to sign him as well. Thank you all for getting involved on this Friday afternoon and thank you once again to Lloyd and to Asim for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.